I think we can all relate to the idea that fire is changing our landscape. But how does this relate to forest planning? And will fire management change as a result of revising the forest plan? On this episode, I talk with Todd Erdody, fire ecologist on the forest planning team. All right, so let's just start off with, um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yep, my name is Todd Erdody. I'm a fire ecologist with the Custer Gallatin National Forest. I've been in my position for about two years. And before this, I worked for the Bureau of Land Management as a fire ecologist. And then uh, previous to that, I was with the National Park Service in Oregon and Washington in uh, various fire positions. Yeah, cool. What made you go into this line of work? It was almost by accident. Um, Almost 20 years ago, I applied for a seasonal job with the U.S. Geological Survey who do a lot of, um, you know, biological, ecological research. And the project just happened happened to be a fire-related, fire research-related project. And it was on that that I saw my, you know, I was on my first prescribed fire and I thought this was really cool. And that's what I kind of wanted to do for my career. Great. Do you still like it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I still get to go out on fires in the summer. So it's fun. Fun. Yeah. Okay. And so now you serve on the forest planning team yep. here in Bozeman? Yes. I'm a part-time member, I guess, not a full-fledged member because I do do um, other duties for the forest other than forest plan. Oh, okay. So, Todd, fire's role on the landscape as a change agent is pretty visible. Can you help me understand some historical facts about fire and how it fits into the bigger picture on the Custer Gallatin? Yeah, so fire, you know, has been and will be kind of the dominant driver of vegetation change on the landscape. And because of that, it's a major driver of the change in wildlife habitat, biodiversity, and other ecological processes like uh, water and nutrient cycling, as well as soil composition. And the whole, I guess the entire forest, the Custer Galtons, the landscape supports a wide variety of vegetation types. So in our eastern districts out on Sioux and Ashland, mainly ponderosa pine savannas that have been shaped by frequent fire you know, every five to 30 years with low flame lengths and typically keep conifers from encroaching um, into the grasslands and shrublands out there. So the other end of the spectrum in our montane ecosystems around the greater Yellowstone area, some of the forests, most notably lodgepole pine, have evolved with stand replacing or high severity fire, you know, which have burned every 50 to 200 plus years and those large areas of the forest could burn with high intensity, basically due to drought conditions combined with extreme weather. And that's how they, they have burned um, on our forest. The rest of the forest is basically kind of a, what we call a mixed severity fire regime. And that contains little aspects of low severity and high severity um, with different patch sizes. And that's really important um, because those, it's really important for biodiversity and uh, habitat and that one of the forest species that includes is a white bark pine forest and they can sometimes burn at you know with really low severity or high severity um, and that's kind of a, a critical habitat on our forest that we're very aware of um, that fire has a role in um, in certain cases in terms of terms of a historical basis for fire historically we would expect about 70,000 acres to burn a year on average in our forest. However, the last 30 years of data, we've only been burning about 25,000 acres. 
a year on average. So what that means is we're in a fire deficit of at least 45,000 acres a year, which, um, and it's growing every year. Basically, that means uh, we have a lack of fire in some parts of the forest and that that lack of fire has altered vegetation um, and we're not achieving our desired conditions due to this fire exclusion. Um, and with this new forest plan, we're hoping to change that. Okay, well, that's great because kind of my follow-up question to that is how might how we're managing fires change under this new plan? Okay, so currently, you know, because we're the Custer Gallatin, we're working on two forest plans from, you know, the mid-1980s that are, have different overlying fire direction. One, one forest is very flexible in fire direction. Basically, all options are on the table for how we manage fire or suppress fire on all areas of the forest. The other plan, not so much. It's a little more rigid on where we can use fire for ecological benefit. And so with the new plan, we'll have one unified plan that recognizes fire as a primary change agent on the landscape and allows for flexibility in using fire across the landscape. What this means is that fire management personnel and line officers will have more opportunities um, on the landscape to manage natural ignitions to achieve our desired conditions. The current plans do acknowledge fire as a natural process, but the new plan really emphasizes the importance of fire um, and also the effects that fire exclusion has on uh, ecosystems. We put much more of a positive emphasis on the role of fire under the right conditions on the landscape within the new plan. The one thing that will stay the same with the new plan um, from the old plans is our response to human-caused fires. Those will always be fully suppressed. And why is that? It's just the nature of federal fire policy that we suppress human-caused fires. Going back to these changes, proposed changes under the new plan, so why is this important for the landscape? Well, like I said before, it's it's important because fire is the primary driver of change on the landscape um, to achieve our desired conditions. Basically, in the last hundred years, we've been suppressing too many naturally caused fires, and this has led to a fire deficit, you know, with less fire in the landscape than there would have been without human intervention. And the effects of this fire exclusion are visible on the landscape. We could see denser forests and and build build up of fuels just led to an increase in crown fires in certain forest types. I'm thinking mainly of the Ponderosa Pine and the Ashland and Sioux districts, where crown fire, you know, stand replacing fire has been, was historically rare, more commonplace nowadays. So that's one effect of fire exclusion. Also, the lack of fires led to an increase in trees and certain habitat types encroaching into grasslands, shrublands, and meadows. Um, so that's been detrimental to those ecosystems. Fire exclusion is also a factor in the increase insect and disease, uh, decrease in biodiversity, also lower, lower forage quantity and quality for browsing species. So with our, with our emphasis to support fire's role in the landscape, we can reduce the fire deficit and restore ecosystems. And uh, more fires will also assist in future fires acting as barriers to fire spread in the future. And working with our partners will also help reduce threat to private property and other values at risk. And that's just kind of tied back into how we were going to try to manage fire in the lands. I know just from like talking with folks on different forests that almost every forest has a classic example of mm -hmm. how to describe this whole fire deficit and what you're trying to accomplish with this plan. Do you have a, a local example that folks might relate to? Yeah, so in... Uh, Summer of 2018, uh, we had a fire called the Bacon Rind Fire uh, that was started by lightning on July 20th, 2018. 
And it was located in the Lee Metcalf Wilderness, which is, you know, right near the western edge of Yellowstone National Park um, and less than a mile from Highway 191, which is a major north-south route um, between Bozeman and West Yellowstone. The fire ended up burning about 5,300 acres with about two-thirds of that on the forest. The forest decided early on to use this fire uh, for resource benefit for a number of reasons. The first one was firefighter safety. One of the first things that fire managers do as a decision is to see whether we can engage a fire safely. And the fire area was, you know, had a lot of heavy fuels, um, had snags, standing dead trees. So the conditions on which firefighters would have to go in would have been too risky. Um, the second was uh, ecological reasons. The fire was burning in wilderness where natural processes should occur for the benefit of the ecosystem. And since about 1940, we've been suppressing probably about 99% of those fires at you know one acre or less. And so historically, the, that area had adapted to a combination of um, severities burning every 35 to 200 years. And fire history data showed there hadn't been a large fire in that area in at least 100 years. And there was a, you know, the buildup of fuel. Um, it just seemed like the right conditions were present to, um, for this fire to, to reduce fuel loads and achieve some ecological benefit. The third factor was the weather and climate. Uh, we had a good snowpack the previous winter. June was very wet. And the indices on which we determined fire danger were below normal. And so from that, from a fuels perspective, the conditions were favorable for low to moderate burning conditions in the short term. However, you know, we did recognize that, you know, weather and fuel moistures can change over time. Fire season in this area can go through September. We knew it was gonna be a long duration event, but one of the triggers for large fire growth, which are drought conditions were not present, nor were they expected to uh, emerge. So from that perspective, leadership felt comfortable um, using the fire for benefit. And also, you know, the fire was close to the border with the Yellowstone Park and would likely burn into the park. And um, Yellowstone has a long history of utilizing fire for resource benefit, and they were very happy to work with us, um, which is great. Also, Gallatin County officials and local fire departments were also very involved in decision making to reduce any risks to private lands including values at risk, um, such as uh, two private ranches that were a few miles to the north of the fire. Uh, in the end, the fire didn't threaten any private structures and there was minimal impact to the highway um, when the fire reached the road. So together, it was a good example of how fire management works to achieve benefit to the resource while minimizing risk to firefighters and public and protecting values at risk. We won't be able to see the long-term effects from the fire for a while, and based on past fires in the area and similar ecosystems, you know, we can expect to see benefits such as you know, increased forage for animals, habitat for bird species, regeneration of white bark pine. Um, and the fire will also act as a fuel break for the next decade or so um, for, any, for managing future fires in the area. So what kind of information can the public provide during the upcoming comment period? that can add value to fire resources or you know, kind of help to support the decision? I think it's very important to receive feedback from those who don't fully support what the forest is trying to do in terms of fire management and why they don't agree with our plan. I think the reason and rationale behind that's really important because um, I think our plan is very clear 
that fire is an ecological process and that we will utilize wildland fire where we can to achieve desired conditions. It's also very clear that fire management actions will not occur in a vacuum um, and that certain actions are needed to protect life, private property, and values at risk. It's also clear that fuels treatments such as prescribed fire and mechanical thinning are other tools in the toolbox that will be utilized uh, in order to achieve desired conditions. Um, additionally, if someone doesn't understand what we are doing, you know, please let us know so we can clarify in the plan because we want you know, to make this as clear as possible. Yes. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Custer Gallatin National Forest Planning Podcast. Up next, we talk about wildlife habitat and forest planning.